0: Welcome, everyone, to the Leader Next Door podcast, where we find leaders from all walks of life and find out their secret strategies for success. New episodes are released every Thursday. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, Dr. Harry Grammer.
1: How you doing, Jim?
0: I'm doing really good. Um, thanks, good. For, thanks for uh, putting some time on the schedule for me. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I uh um I was just trying to play around with this FaceTime on my computer. I never use FaceTime <laughs> on my laptop, so I'm like, I really hope this works because normally I'd screw up things like this. So it worked oh, out.
0: Me too. But- I was hoping you weren't real good at this because I screw these things up too. Um, it's awesome. It looks like it's working on my end, so that's cool. I'm I'm recording your okay. voice. I just like to see you on um see the guests on FaceTime. It kind of makes it. Uh, a little bit cooler. I tried to do video for a while, but I kept screwing that up because the audio wouldn't match the video. And then I don't know if you've ever seen that—like the lips are moving. Yeah,
1: and absolutely, it's a whole thing. Oh, you, were you doing YouTube for a while, or do, you, do you, can you do video on Spotify? Does yeah, that, just, they oh, just
0: okay. yeah they just started. So I I really yeah. am pretty new to the podcast thing. I started like a half a year ago, and as soon as I started um, the program that I used, Anchor, which is like affiliated with Spotify. Yes has like they basically as soon as they started offered video that went along with it for free so that was pretty cool um i tried it once or twice and it's just i'll get there um for now we're just gonna do the audio and i'm you know
1: you know i think i think with all the the podcasts i listen to i listen to them right i don't they're not i don't really watch podcasts that's what i said that's exactly what i i
0: don't like the podcasts that i listen to there's never a moment where i'm like man i wish i could see what they're saying i mean rarely so, um, really, really, so
1: Joe Rogan's pretty funny. I mean, to get a, to watch his shows or that's one thing, but that's, that's an anomaly. So that is nothing. true.
0: Actually I was listening to one of them the yeah. other day, he had an MMA fighter on and, um, they were describing like how the guy like broke his leg. And I'm like, I kind of want to see that. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I did look cause they do a video and I, I think I missed it. So, but I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, um, yeah. so Dr. Grammer, I know that, um, I really didn't know anything about you until I found out about you through someone in my family named Jared Wright. And you might call him, I, he may have a lot of nicknames too. you. I don't know, but he, we were hanging out this summer in, uh, in Nebraska. And he said, oh man, he's like, I have this great friend from high school. He's like, you got to check him out. And, um, he gave me a couple of, of people that he talked to and I kind of just didn't get around to it. And then I finally did. And I'm like, you were friends with this guy? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I, I mean, um Jared's a great guy and I'm glad he could connect me to you. So um I just wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you got started and everything you're doing. And and there's a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I you know, first of all, I just I love Jared. You know, I, I haven't seen Jared since probably high school or maybe a little bit later. Yeah. But Jared, I will always remember Jared because, you know, he, he was like the A1 blocker, you know what I mean, on offense. And, you know, all I would see was him running over people and seeing the tops or the bottoms of feet, you know, as, as he as he trucked through, you know, a defensive line to make a hole, man. So, I mean, Jared is a big place in my heart. He's just a big Teddy Barrett. He is. You know, I I just uh, – I miss that guy. I know. I,
0: I do too. I, I was lucky enough to marry my wife and – you know, Jared was her cousin and finally got out there to meet him. And every time we're around him, he's so, um, he's just so loyal and friendly and, and just you want to be around him. Everybody wants to be around him. So that's yeah. pretty cool. But anyway, yeah. um, you know, Jared's TikTok,
1: gonna... say cool. it again. I've watched his TikTok videos. He's pretty funny on TikTok, you know, so that, that, <laughs> that keeps me in the loop of checking in to see how Jared's doing by watching his own video, his videos, his own videos.
0: Yeah. Same with me. He's got some moves, man. I, for, for a big guy, he's got, he can move it a little bit. It's impressive. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, so anyway, you know, Dr. Grammar, I, I just, I'm I'm honored to be able to talk to you and I've, I've been really looking into your life, but I don't want to talk about your life. I want, I would like for you to maybe just give a quick introduction to who you are and and what you're all about.
1: Yeah. Um, hmm. you know, I'm, I'm about people, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, my deep, my deepest passions lies in, making community impacts on, on, on larger scales, you know, that touch people on a more personal, you know, scale. Um, Mainly focused here in the second city of the, of our country, Los Angeles for the past 19 years. um, uh, My wife and I, who um, became my wife after we founded the organization and then now we have three kids and, you know, and now we're, you know, we're, uh, we're deep in this work, um, of supporting young people who are, um, traveling through some very difficult systems, um, foster care, um, not finding a way out sometimes and not having that support probation system where Los Angeles has been the largest incarcerator of children in the country for a long time. And then also the largest probation department in the country as well. So, helping young people find their ways out of that, um, in a very healthy way. Um, there's also the, um, uh, systems, um, of, of ho- houselessness, um, in Los Angeles, as I think most of the nation knows has an, an epidemic of homelessness here in in our city. And yeah. so we support young people in finding housing, but. I think at the end of the day, most of it and what I'm really passionate about is to see that um, areas where I struggled um, as a young person, you know, and a lot of people don't know how, how much I struggled as a kid and got into a lot of trouble as a young person yeah. and uh, and um, didn't really know how to pull my my way out. I'm able now to provide tools and support Um that are really holistic tools, meaning wraparound tools from mental, you know, psychological, you know, uh, physical, physiological, uh, supporting people getting off the ground. Because most of these kids that I talk about have been in professional parenting um, systems for most of their lives. And I think that sometimes doesn't get talked about enough. Um, You know, we look at We look at a healthy adolescence and a a healthy childhood, and someone growing up to, you know, be successful. And you know, I think there are ways in which we do that here in this country, where you know someone goes to school, they they get good grades, they you know they go off to college, they you know earn their degree, they may land a job somewhere. These days are are tough, but they still may land a job somewhere, and then they go off to you know raise a family, and then they go off to retire. Whereas Sometimes those same the wiring of that process isn't the same for everyone, and so what I mean by that is is that even though we know that that hardware, that framework exists in our society, some of a lot of the young people we work with don't have the actual understanding of how that works because they've been shifted from home to home to home or from school to school to school or from probation to incarceration. So this hardware has not—it's—it's not attached to um, any type of uh, meaningful process or progress. Yeah. And so, and that's what I've noticed over these years. And a lot of our young people that we work with need those just fundamental tools, just a beginning step of, okay, let's get you, let's get you, let's get, let's get let's get you a an understanding of what school is, education, cuz education I believe is at the root of it all. I think we all need an education. We may not need a college or higher, you know, a higher education, but we need a fundamental understanding of how to learn, how to resource when we don't have something, how to go out and search and find and and also how to just sort of get along in our society and what is sort of the fabric in the the landscape of this country, as far as becoming a successful person here, and that's what we try to do. We try to provide that with our with our programs. You yeah. know, we have we have you know programs that are mentor based programs. So when I say when I talk about mentor based, it's really important because this means um, this this approach is more of an integrative approach, meaning that we're really personalized care. Every young person gets a roadmap or. Be, they don't get a roadmap. We help them to create a roadmap according to their own self discoveries about what it is that they truly want to go after. It's not like okay, here you need to get we do do the hardware too when it comes to yes, we're gonna get we're gonna help you get the training for a vocation to sustain yourself, but while we're doing that, we're also asking you bigger questions about yeah. what it is that you really want to do with your life. What are you attracted to? what are you drawn to? And I tell the story about these three young men who um, were coming out of incarceration for about a year, 16 year olds. Um, they were in for, you know, I think GTA and some, I think the other two might've been in for something minor violations of probation. And, um, and I asked him, I said, Hey guys, you know, you know, uh, no, this is what happened. And now I remember the story correctly. <laughs> I have a friend of mine, Michael Quill. He's at the uh, LA Waterkeepers. They're a, um, they're a, an organization here in Los Angeles that helps to restore the Los Angeles Marina. they they're bringing wildlife back. They're protecting uh, from, from overfishing. And so we partnered back about 10 years ago to take kids who are just coming out, take them out on the boat, you know, let's, let's, let's go go get out there. Let's, let's see what the ocean's about. A lot of times these kids are straight from the hood, man. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't know anything about the beach sometimes and be surprised how close they live to it and never even been to the beach. They're five miles away. They've never touched the sand before. And they're 16 years old, but then to get them out onto the water on a 24 foot boat and, uh, and, and, and their hair just blowing in the wind. You know, I can't tell you how many times kids have told me, man, I I feel free, man. I like, like, like I'm free. You know, you feel freedom. Yes. Pushing against your face. And, um, and after one trip, these three guys said, Hey, they asked Michael, they said, Michael, so what else do you do with this boat? Michael said, Well I dive, you know, and they're like, Dive, what do you dive for? He's like, Well, we don't do much. We we dive for uh we, we scrape sea urchins off the kelp to make sure they don't destroy the fauna, you know, underneath the water. And uh, they're like, That sounds really cool. Is it cold down there? <laughs> Mike's like, yeah, it's cold, man. I got to wear a wetsuit. He's like, is that, they're like, is that that skinny black thing that take people wear? When they go down and he said, yeah, skinny black suit, you wear it, you go down. And it's in, in, uh, Jose is his name. Jose said to Michael, he said, man, I want to do that. You know, is it possible to train me to do that? This kid had been out for maybe two weeks. And, um, Michael said, let me check on that. Maybe there might be a possibility to get you down there. So in that moment, what we notice is that there's an attraction to something. that's pretty immediate. Like, that excites me. Like, I want to go in that direction. So we got a training together. Um, We got them into a swimming pool nearby, got them all the diving instruction and, (laughs) you know, and got them the gear. And they're in the swimming pool, you know, doing the whole dips and everything, seeing how long they can stay underwater. And after the training, Michael took them out to the beach and they did their first dive. This is about six weeks later they're out and they're out there and they're diving and two of the young men stuck with and they're, they're still working with michael today this was yeah, you know, this was maybe five six years ago Unreal. but 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 if someone is showing me a direction they want to go in they want to you know they're interested in cars or their uncle is a mechanic or you know they want to move in that direction we we do is we just try to guide and steer them you know I, the word i like to use is accompaniment hmm. so accompaniment is basically You know, our process is not. we don't stand in front of you and tell you go this way. We don't stand behind you and kick you forward. We walk with you as you're discovering and we provide the resources. And if you need housing, if you're, you know, if you're in poverty and today we also support families. So we, we, we also, if if there's a family member that's in a home, like a mother or father who's unemployed, we place them in jobs as well. We provide rental assistance. So we do the best that we can to keep someone stable while we help them, help them along this self-discovery process of what they're passionate about, yeah. you know, kind of what I, it's, it's very similar to kind of what I did. You know, I, I, I came out of a, you know, what was not a great situation and growing up as a, as a kid and teenage father, um, you know, it you know, a time locked up in juvie and, you know six years on juvenile five years on juvenile probation and you know bumped my head around a bunch more times then got into the corporate world and yeah. found out that wasn't the way i wanted to go and backed out and went back to poverty to figure it out and you, you dropped down to rock bottom trying to like get the vision and uh yeah. and and in, in in there i heard that and then once you know that burn began to really uh in engulf my belly it's in and I kind of knew what direction I wanted to go in that's when I began to lay the roots for the organization that we have today and that was about 20 years ago and
0: so yeah that's amazing
1: yeah yeah so that's a that's a that's a bit about you know sort of the process of of our work uh, yeah. a bit
0: I, I think so many I mean I would never stop you because everything you say I love to listen to and it and you've been doing such great work but a couple of things that stand out um Number one, like you talked about, you know, some of these kids that you've dealt with and some of some juveniles, especially like through, I forget what you called it, like the foster care system, something parenting. I don't know, I forget the phrase. Right,
1: I call it a professional parenting, right? Professional like if you parenting. get to it's going, with, cause you're, you're jumping from, so you're, someone's shuffling you around yes. as your parent, but they're not really your birth parent.
0: Well, I'll tell you the, the reason, like, as I started looking into you more, um, it kind of resonated more with me because my wife and I, uh, six and a half years ago, we adopted three boys from the foster care system in Philadelphia. And I I really resonated with what you said because I know what we've been able to do with them to help them on their journey. Um, yeah. and, and they moved in with us when they were um, five, six, and eight. So, you know, tackling six years, that's how old they are now. But I, I, think, I think often to myself, and they were being jockeyed around the system as well where would they be? You know, my, not to go through my kids one by one or anything, but they're doing really well in so many ways. And, you know, my one son's a pretty good wrestler and I don't know if he would have ever even, I know he would, if he would have stayed in the system in Philadelphia, there, it doesn't even exist there at some of the schools he would have went to. So it's just, it, it's really, I step back and think it just makes me appreciate the kind of work that you were doing with, Kids, even though we're on opposite coasts, it's the same type of kid that would end up maybe in in the situations that that you were describing. Yeah, and- kids,
1: kids need kids need stabilization, yeah. right? They need you know they need time for gestation. You know, um, big thing that we've been doing over the years is sort of a, a rites of passage program we call Beyond Boundaries, okay, and nice. Beyond Boundaries is our very very. Reminiscent of Outward Bound yeah, program. Yeah, know
0: all about Outward Bound for sure. You no know,
1: Outward Bound very, very, very close to to the way that they sort of take kids out into the into the wilderness and yeah. uh, backpacking in and spending time in nature and having time to reflect and uh, and just just kind of re you know rewire in a yeah. lot of ways. You know, uh, we go out we go up to go up to Utah. Yeah. So we we go up to a a great ranch out in Utah, Boulder Mountain Guest Ranch, about five miles from the Salt Lake City, Utah uh, airport. And it's way back out in the outback, but the Escalante Trail and, you know, you've got this beautiful, beautiful landscape out there. And we take kids out. We take 20 to 25 young people who have never been outside their towns, never been outside their cities, never traveled before and we throw, we throw them on a bus, and uh, and we arrive there, and, you know, we expect for there to be a sense of acclimation, and it, there usually is for the first few days, but by the time we leave after day seven or ten, kids don't want to leave, yeah. and the reason they don't want to leave, because I think being their age and being so young, um, for the first time in their life, someone has given them some sort of stability, some sort of sense of grounding groundedness your meals were taken care of every day you're able to go out and have silence you weren't interrupted with you know sirens and you know some of these over-policed you know communities or you know everything that's going on they're able to just sit down and just be and we give them the space to do that there's a we we do programs we go rock climbing we go kayaking we go <laughs> uh you know uh it's funny at, at Boulder Mountain Guest Ranch, they have this state of the art in the middle of nowhere, the state of the art um, music studio. I mean, really sweet music studio that they've built out there. Musicians, wow. I mean, new have gone out and recorded albums out there. Um, so kids can go in there and, and you know and, and work with their um, their producers that are on site there. You know, we'll go we'll go canyoneering. You know, we'll uh, we'll just take time to really help them to reattune. <laughs> to the earth I'm, I'm a i'm a wilderness guy i mean it's in the name new earth right like i like i, I yeah. just had to figure out i just had to figure out a way to get it you know into yeah we've been for a long time beyond boundaries was uh everybody call it harry's love project right because you know first we we're just trying to really sow the seeds in the community so then people can see and and, and do our work i couldn't necessarily spend a whole year taking them out into the wilderness so we would we would take you know weeks out of the summer and no one funded it um so I'd, I'd have to scrape money together to get it funded but over the last 6 or 7 years it's been well funded to take kids out because there's much more of a need for it now, now. and uh and when we and now so much so i think most of our 2023 will be spent doing beyond boundaries programs we're, we're planning for at least 6 or 7 programs next year to take kids out to um to utah uh, other areas like Big Sur yeah. and Hoyas uh, in, in Los Angeles. And then, I mean, the big one on the, on the, on the horizon is uh you know, a purchase that we're doing down in Costa Rica. So.
0: Harry, uh- <laughs> I, I, I got to stop you for one second. I, can I, can I just chime in for one second? Here, here's the thing. I was, as everything I looked at you've done and created, we didn't even really scratch the surface of that. And as I like looked at your videos and this and that, I was like, man, I wonder if I'll have anything in common with Harry. I wonder if, I... and I didn't see any of this. You probably, you don't know me at all. You don't know anything about me, but everything you just said, you have you have no idea, but. Um, I, I love Utah, canyoneering, rock climbing, mountaineering. I've taken kids on trips for 20 years all over the world, Costa Rica. I can't believe you just said that. I was like, he's going to say Costa Rica. He's going to say, I mean, so that's something I've done as a high school teacher. I started that years ago. Now it's wholly totally different from what you're doing. You're taking kids that have never really done much, um, and expose them to these amazing things in nature. And you have these moments with the jungle or with the mountains that are forever changing. Yeah. Um, I know I had that as a young person, so I totally resonate with, with what you're saying. As a matter of fact, um, a few years ago, I had an opportunity to be on a um, a reality show called Alone, which I don't know if you know the outdoors at all, but it's on the History Channel. And it's like they take 10 people and they drop them off in a remote location, and then you just survive as long as you can. Um, mm-hmm. it, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's I did not do well on that show. Um, okay. I did, Yeah, you could look that up some other time. But um, <laughs> the experience was amazing. And it was, it, it, bottom line is, it's really cool. I cannot believe all the stuff that you said that I, that I knew about was amazing. And now you're talking about all the canyoneering and rock climbing in Utah. I'm like, it's amazing to me to hear that. That's what
1: I'm excited about. That's the you future. That's why I think, you know, people ask me all the time, why New Earth? You sound like an environmental organization. <laughs> well, I've spent 20 years of trying to get us there. Yeah, and It took me 20 years to do all this work to get us back to the earth. It, 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 it I couldn't do it. 20 years ago. I couldn't do it 10 years ago. I couldn't do it 15 years ago. Nobody was going to hear that. Yeah, I think now I have an opportunity to get folks back to the earth, get them back to their natural state, you know, get them out of the cities, get them, you know, really healed up from a lot of the, you know, what's going on in the world and just the mind scrambling and social media and, and everything to get them back to a place where they can hear themselves. You, maybe sometimes even for the first time. Yeah. You
0: know? I, I know this like. Let me. Um, I'll tell you this situation real quick. In Costa Rica, we're in the jungle, about four days in to a, uh, I don't know, like a ten day trek, and the kids they wanted they wanted to bring their cell phones at first, and this is about six years ago. We were against it. It was me and two other leaders, uh, other teachers, um, and you know we brought the group together. You know we'd been sleeping under tarps and and the whole thing. It was a, just a great experience. We brought them together. I'm like, look, guys, you know we notice that you're on your phones a lot and you know even though there's no internet here you're you're listening to music and you're you know we know that you use them to take pictures but we really want you to immerse yourself in everything that this experience has to offer you probably will never be here again and they almost formed a coup
1: and oh oh, i've been there i've been there so many times (laughs) so it's like dude i'm like
0: what i thought they were going to be like you're right mr shields we're gonna put them away nope No. Have I've, you seen I've, anything
1: I've, I've, like that? Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. That's happened to me on, on more than one occasion. I've yeah. had kids because usually we, we tell them to keep your, your phones in the van right and we lock the van up and like it's their way they're in the van and then when we get up there you know somebody didn't put theirs in the van right <laughs> and then and, uh, and there we go we got a couple phones hanging out. It's, it's really difficult to disconnect them from that you know so there's Usually, there's an education around that that I try to try to instill about you know the importance of spending the majority of your time off of it. Even though they have, they get no Wi-Fi, they can't connect to the outside world. Yeah. You know, you'll go to their tent. And, you know, you'll hear you know you'll hear the beats going right. And uh, yeah, you're like we you know we want you guys to really experience you know that silence. And then then you know there's a there's another time, right. and this is a very similar story. Cause I've taken kids who have just gotten out, right? They they're yeah. just they're fresh out of jail. They're 16, 17 years old. They've been locked up, and you know we we try to program pretty regimen, right? We you know there's a 6 a.m. We get up, you know we maybe have breakfast, maybe do a little a talk, maybe there's someone there to do some yoga with us or something, right? Like get yeah. everybody going. Um, and there's kids that don't want to get out of out of out of their tent. They don't want to come out and join. Yeah. And this one kid, you know, made me think once, you know, and uh, I went and rattled his tent, you know, and I'm rattling, his tent, hey, get up, man, time to go. And I rattled again. He wouldn't get up. And then finally, he zips up his tent and he says, hey, man, stop. And I said, what? He said, man, I for the last nine months, I've been told to get up at a certain time. He's like, this is really the first time I've had any silence, any sleep anytime not to have to watch my back from someone jumping me in the middle of the night. Can I just lay here? <laughs> <That's> like, a, <laughs> like, all right. Yeah. I, I got to kind of respect that, you know, and give them that space um, yeah. to just kind of be in that, that stillness, which is so important for all of us. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, and, you know, these kids are mirrors, you know, I I, I look at the word mentor and I think about, um, what it really means, you know, and and, it, and it, what happens in a true mentorship situation is that, you know the the space between who is the mentor and who's the mentee disappears, hmm. you know, and uh, and and um, sorry about that, my phone started buzzing, uh, okay. um, uh, and that it disappears, and there's a true connection to um, that mirror that I think I get every time that I'm working with a young person, you know, that has, is going through something I've been through before and, uh, and I can find some wisdom almost every single time. You know, these kids are extraordinarily wise. They're, they are thinkers. They've, they've actually had a lot of time to think if they've been, you know, incarcerated um, for whatever reason. Um, People ask me all the time, why do you work with incarcerated kids? You know, they're bad kids. They're, you know, they should be, and there's, you know, they've done something horrible to society. Well, um, you know, I think nobody should be judged for the rest of their life for a mistake they made as a child. You know, their child. You know, and children make mistakes. Some of them horrible mistakes. But it's up to us as a community. And I think when we become elders like we are today, we have some kind of responsibility to our to our future. And and these kids are our future. You know, yeah. they're, they're the future of our of of. And if we can instill more into their lives if we can help them to develop and these are the ones who are you know in the subculture of of the world who are not really in the mainstream these these are the ones who are there's 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 millions of people right that are that are that are not necessi- that don't necessarily sit in the opportunities um that are going to later just determine the future of our lives yeah. you know believe that we have to spend time, we have to go there. We have to go into the deep and with them and uh do some good work, so they yeah. can make it out. you it, know it
0: feels like um it feels like that population there's just really not many people that are doing what you're trying to do um It seems like that population is so overlooked and it's it's almost like once you make that mistake and you're in the system you, you you're shunned almost. And, and there's, and there's no opportunity. I know, I know I was listening to your Ted talk and you talked about, you know, I I think it was when you're maybe in a juvenile um, center and these, whatever, four or five kids came rolling in and you have this perception of what they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to look like. But what did, what did you actually see when, when they came in? I, I loved how you talked about this. It was just, it was awesome.
1: You know, I think we all do that and to some extent, yeah, you know we all have these preconceived ideas about who people are, just by appearance and you know maybe even attitude and I'm, um, you know every time I have that, I have to check myself because I'm gonna be wrong, I'm gonna be wrong i'm gonna I'm, this young person's gonna be a child it's gonna it's gonna be a kid who's just confused, who's lost, who's lonely, um who really just all the end of the day just needs and wants love. You know, I've seen you know I've seen some of the folks. I've seen kids who people would run you know the other direction oh, yeah. from down the street um, when not in that environment and not in the the groups that help to perpetuate some behaviors that they they do when they're alone and they're alone long enough. You you see you see the you see the the humanity um, of these children and these kids who most people are deadly afraid of the media perpetuates fear around kids with tattoos in their face. And, you know, and um, no, you know, rarely do people stop and ask, what do those tattoos mean? You know, they'll take you through the map on their face. You know, this is my grandmother or this is the time when, you know, my, uh, my, my my younger sister was shot and killed or, you know, there's, there's, there's a story on their faces most of the time, which is very tribal. If you look back into, a lot of you know traditions ancestral in, in Africa and Europe and you know central and south America and you look at the art of tattooing and the storytelling that happens in that process uh, you know somehow some way you know uh that archetype is sort of bleeding through these young people those are archetypes those are those are not those aren't things they're doing this this is humanity this is who we are as hum- as our humans we're storytellers by it just nature that what's that's what makes us uh different different from you know most of the other animal kingdom is just being able to tell stories so some people put it on their faces because that's just that's just how we've done it for thousands of years so yeah saying that i um i i feel like there hasn't been one young person that i've worked with and i've worked with personally i've worked with 25 personally this is just through the years, there's a lot of just me out there for many years. And I'm running around from this location to that location. I'm working personally with kids and wore myself out. My already, you know, torn meniscus and <laughs> my, my torn L3, you know, it's already like falling apart along the way.
0: Yeah. I what I was that.
1: finding, what I was finding was this goal. I really was, what I was finding was the, 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 the anti-narrative. What I was finding was, that this is there's whatever people are buying into as who these kids are, are is just they't they wouldn't know unless they spent as much time as I did running from place to place working with so many kids you, you just see you see pain, you see the need for love and you just need this, and the need for acceptance by someone that can see them for who they are truly, a soul that needs to be seen wow and um and so that's why I get so passionate about this work. Because there's something else going on here, you know. There's there's a there's a wisdom in these kids that I think does. It, it's not allowed out there, and I'm not, I'm not saying that there's a conspiracy and we're holding them down. You know, there's none of that. It's yeah. just a simple system that has been created to bureaucratic systems that have not allowed evolution of you know restorative justice to occur. There's no other. We we we've walked the same line of uh, discipline and punitive discipline for young people, for kids for over a hundred years. It hasn't really changed. We haven't really reinvented anything. So um, that's where, that's why I'm I'm finding and that's why the innovation is coming in from me. And I believe this and this is, I'll, I'll say this and I'll say that nature. Okay. There's only so far that we can take these kids on you know physiolog physiological level of you know providing um, providing to their needs um there's only so far we can go with education and helping them to believe in themselves if th- if they don't get that reconnection to nature if they don't get back there uh, the, 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 the it's not complete I don't believe that we can complete this work without that that bringing back that friends. involvement of being able to explore and be a part of and feel like you are one with the natural world. I, Just love don't. That.
0: I Why do you think that is? Why do you think, why do you think specifically nature is such a key component to that full process? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know if anyone can answer that, yeah, but because, I feel it. I feel it.
1: I, I know well, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think for a long time and, you know, given that, you know, in this, in this, specifically here in this country i think we've been we've been really focused on individualization right we've been focused on being an individual making it on your own and getting to the top uh yeah. very very materialistic so to speak and and i'd I say materialistic but i i don't I actually don't think we're materialistic at all i think but and the reason why i say that is because we we waste so much so if we're materialistic we would hold on to things that's true. but that's that's a, that's, true. That's, a, that's, a, that's a different that's that's a different thing. Um, but I believe that, uh, because we've been so focused on self and the preservation of self and not preservation of the community, mm-hmm. I believe that we've lost connection with the rest of the of, of the natural world, which only works within community. Okay. If I'm sitting at, if I'm sitting at uh, a park, you know, yeah. and I'm, you know, I'm eating lunch and under a tree, there's a pigeon, you know, there's a squirrel, there's a rabbit that's, that's there. They're all, they're all hanging out together, right? They're just, they're, they're different species. They're just kind of chilling, eating what's on the ground. As soon as I get up, why do they run away? Right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's been, it's been this sort of exit from Eden, so to speak, that, that has harmed us in a lot of ways. And so the best thing we can do is try to get back into this, you know, sort of Eden, so to speak, and, and reconnect and honor, What's happening there when I'm in, when I'm in, you know, in Costa Rica and I'm walking through the Diamante Valley and, you know, and I'm, you know, I can feel the forest bathing going on. You know, I feel all of these, you know, scents and, you know, the the moisture and I can feel something, you know, physiologically, something happening to me as I walk through. I'm different on the other side of that forest for some reason. So, so that's why I think that nature is a, a big piece of this and we need it.
0: Do you ever hear of um, Eustace Conway? Does that name ring a bell? He's a guy out in like, he's like a mountain man in, in North Carolina. And he talk, He had a book. I think it was called The Last American Mountain. I don't even know. But one thing he said that I always thought was pretty cool is like anytime you, well, he talked about how, you know, in in this world that we live in, we're surrounded by boxes and rectangles. Like look at, the, I'm looking at the screen now into a box. I can see behind you there's windows you know your house is a box you sleep in a box you eat cereal out of a, a you know a rectangle you how do you get to school you go on a bus with four wheels it's a box with wheels and then you sit at a desk and then you your school is all these boxes with doors when you go into nature he says there's no right angles really and there's no straight lines and and i that resonates with me often when i'm looking around i almost like try to find them and you really can And and that's like it almost opens your brain up to different senses in a way and and i I just thought that was a cool way um to express that and it made me think of that when you when you were saying that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that 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 reminds me of uh you know the Fibonacci, you know, sort of the Fibonacci uh measurements in, in mathematics where it, everything has that sort of that that spiral, right? Everything yeah. has the spiral in it. The golden rule, the spiral, everything in nature has these curvatures, these curves. Everything all the way down to our our, you know, our dead scale, cells in our, in our skin, yeah. you know, we all have this thing. And I think, you know, being in these places where it's shaping, you know, energy, as as I'm sitting in a room that has right, right degrees, there's, there's energy that isn't flowing because of that. Right. So once I get into a dome shape structure, you know, I'm, all of a sudden there's this resonance that I couldn't have with these 90 degree angles before, you know, i a lot of people don't know this, but I, I play the didgeridoo and I don't, I don't know a lot of, you know, and so um, you got and it I've got a, I, I don't have it. it's, 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 Man. It. I, next, next podcast. All right. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I play. And, and so I love finding caves and dome structures yeah. because playing the didge in a room or a structure that's all, you know, domed out with maybe even super Adobe or even concrete or something like rock has a much different resonance than, yeah. you know, than just being in a, you know, a classroom or something like that. For sure. You know, for, th- for those reasons. That's yeah. cool.
0: I, man, I, there's so much, you know, I thought, I thought I knew you, Dr. grayer <laughs> I I don't know how, but it's not, it's not the part. I, I did not expect it to, uh, to kind of go this way. It's such a cool part of your life. And I'm so happy. Like I was thinking of like, how does he, and I want to talk specifically in a second, like what is new earth and, and, and how that actually operates now, but. As I'm thinking, you know, you you've really found the. It seems like the key is is nature to get some of these kids that are not not too well off or are coming out of some struggles, whatever. Like that might be the key to getting them back on track. Again, there's the the mentorship. There's a lot of things that go into it. There's the funding. One of the things you said, and, and I don't even know. I have everything mixed together, but you said some uh, some number of like how much it actually costs to incarcerate a juvenile it was like 150,000 or something versus per year versus what it maybe costs to go to an ivy league school yeah. and w- what is that if we just read i think you talked about like redirecting that money to something more like what you're doing in in new earth and w- could you just just give us like I just want like people to understand exactly what New Earth is and how you get how you can get into that program if you're a juvenile offender in, in Los Angeles County.
1: Sure, sure. Um so when I when I mentioned that statistic, I think that might have been four or five years ago that from the TED talk. Um unfortunately that number has gone up. Wow. A lot. And the reason why is because over the last, I would say ten years, a lot of us have been um have been working on redirecting those funds to community-based, really strong working community-based organizations that could do more of the work that I'm talking about. Yeah. Not not warehousing kids in these probation camps here in Los Angeles or detention camps where really they just sit and then they're released and then they come back again in like two to six months. So unfortunately what has happened is in the process of us achieving the closure of many of those those facilities that were just decrepit and old and, you know, and the process was not, you know, doing any good. Mm-hmm. Um, the cost had gone up, right? So instead of redirecting that money to the community-based organizations, they just raised the cost on what it costs to incarcerate a kid. So in other words, right now where I mentioned, you know, uh, the cost to incarcerate a kid for one year is the same to, um Educate someone at Harvard for four years. That was the cost four years ago. Now we're up to five hundred and sixty thousand dollars per year to incarcerate one child, and one kid, one youth, in Los Angeles County. And it's still we're still in the same conundrum of why are these kids getting locked up? Give us the majority reasons why young people are being locked up. Now there there there's definitely an argument around you know violent offense, right? There's definitely an argument around. Safety and mental health That's with true. young people that commit violent crimes there's no question around that um but uh, but statistics show that less than you know twenty uh, percent of the young people that are law, that are incarcerated in Los Angeles are even there for that, and it shows that a larger portion of those young people that are incarcerated are there for for vi uh, probation violations, so meaning that you know everything from didn't check in or kind of missing an action from their probation officer, which I'm not condoning that at all. You should check in. But after a while, probation officers with, with their load, their caseload of whatever, 60 to 70 young people, they have to decide on what they want to do with someone who's just kind of missing an action that they can't keep track of. So what they do is that they finally send out a bench warrant. They arrest these young people wherever they are and they they sit in front of a judge, and then they go back in for six more months. Now, I think if you had an equipped community-based organization that could, uh, uh, you know, tend to that young person's needs, we need to find out first why, what's going on out there in the world. Is a kid just being defiant, or is there maybe something going on at home? Maybe there's a a need that's that's not being taken care of. Maybe for, we work with young women too, so like maybe she's 16, she may be pregnant, and she may be living in... A studio apartment with her five other siblings and her mother and her boyfriend, yeah. who might be trying to, you know, push up on her, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. So you never know why these kids go missing. They don't ask those questions. Those questions aren't asked. Um. And so, time after time, I meet kids that are incarcerated, and, and you're just blown away by the reasons why they're in there. Um, yeah. Can, because the prob- probation won't, probation won't tell me why they're locked up. Um. But the kids eventually, when they open up to us. Eventually, share with us what the what, what happened and what the story was. Another thing is, is that you know, um, one of the reasons why this is so underground and it's not really you know on your mainstream news is because it can't be on your ma- mainstream news. You know, you can't you can't get a camera in a, a juvenile detention facility. You yeah. can't get CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or anybody in there to cover it. So, so it's sort of the secret thing that happens underneath the carpet of most most cities, I mean, Philly, New York, Chicago, Atlanta, you know, uh, LA and the only ones that can tell the story of what's happening there are those who are inside working with these kids and they can come out and advocate that change happens. But other than that, it does not, it never becomes a mainstream conversation because it doesn't make it up to the mainstream media. Yeah. So that, that is, that is part of the issue. So um, one of the that's, that's that's the main reason why I go out and I speak on this often. I yeah. keynote in places. I talk heavily. I do my best to help humanize who these young people are. Um, tell their stories. Um, talk about what needs to happen and shift and change and mental health that needs to be brought in a little little bit more heavily in some areas too. With supporting young people with with um, with just you know what they need as far as being. Um, healthy and and stable and not on bad diets and yeah. all of that good stuff. And, uh, and this is the reason why, because it's there's, there's very few voices out here that actually um, can stand up for these kids.
0: Yeah. And it's just, it like you said, uh, the news media can't get in there and see what's happening. <sighs> so someone like you that, that does stand up for them and, and you're able to get in there like with new earth, I mean, to get it, obviously I'm not understanding fully your program I and mean, it didn't really ask you a million questions or anything, but how do you get into new earth? I mean, do you go out to juvenile centers and do the kids like apply for it or do you like pick the ones that would be most suitable? How, how does that, and how many, like do you have quotas? Like how many, you, how many kids you can actually help?
1: Sure. Sure. Those are great questions. So okay. I'll just give you just a kind of a nutshell of kind of what our organization, what our program does. Okay. So we are a multifaceted organization. That has where we're we're all about uh, educational, vocational and arts programs with the wraparound services, mental health component on the other end. So we have a a, a clinical department within New Earth as well. Yeah, Um, we are. So we contract with the county of Los Angeles to provide um, our services in their detention facilities. So what that means is someone say a young person. You know, get sent to a juvenile camp. So a camp, we call it camp, but they're not, it's not a Snoopy camp. It's it's you know it's a it's a detention facility, right? They get yeah. sent over to a detention facility, and as soon as they walk through that door, we're one of the organizations that they are in contact with for support. So if you look at it like this, okay. you know, they enter either through our our vocational track there, where we're doing you know workforce development coming in through our educational track where we're supporting the already sort of stretched education system that's happening in these places, or they're coming in through one of our art tracks. That gives us the opportunity then to build a relationship, build a rapport with this young person, find out more of what's happening in their lives so then that we can help them make a soft landing once they're released. The majority of the young people we work with are only locked up between three months to 18 months. Most of them are, are, they're not long sentences. Um, not in our program. There are other organizations that work with kids who are, you know, fighting their fitness and maybe charged as an adult. We don't, we, we're not, we don't work with those specifically. We come across them and and somehow, and sometimes we are able to sort of tag team with those organizations to provide resources on the outside. But on the inside, we, we're usually there for the, the main population, so to speak. Yeah. And so and then once a young person begins to work with our case managers, so we have case managers that go into the sites, you know, getting them prepared, helping them set up an action plan, connecting with reconnecting with parents, making sure that home is going to be safe when they get home or it's going to be a place where there isn't going to be a reoffense happening, where yeah. things are a little bit more stable. We begin to, We begin that process about three months before they leave. And then once they leave at that point we do a we do a warm handoff to ourselves mm-hmm. at our community center. So we have a we have a 14,000 commu- square foot community center wow. in the middle of Los Angeles um with, with where where it houses our our staff, we it houses our uh, other workforce development programs, uh, our classrooms. We have a um partnership with Da Vinci Rise School. They're a school that really caters to our population um, and are really connected with our missions. We found them, they found us and it's just perfect. So they, so the young person doesn't have to go back to the school that failed them before, wherever that may be, not naming any names. Um, (laughs) And they can finish their education right there on site. So the way that I really, what I really love about the way we do things is that we do a one-stop shop. So once they're released, they get back into our, they come back to our center Everything's in one place. You've got your high school. You've got, you you can check in with your probation officer from there. You can, you know, uh, you got your case managers and your wraparound services. You have your therapist and your mental health support. Uh, You've got your arts programs. We have a music studio on site. We've got, we're installing a boxing gym. We're doing some really cool stuff. We do meditation and yoga and a bunch of programs. We have conflict resolution classes. We have all these electives that they can do. So, from nine a.m. till five p.m., you're you're you know you're between the ages of sixteen and we work with kids all the way up to twenty five. Okay. You're, you you can you're on site and you get all your needs handled. We, we two meals a day and we're just digging in. We're going deeper and finding out how we can best support you coming out of this school to prison pipeline.
0: Yeah. Whew. That's amazing. I, I mean, that's a, that's a lot. I I know that. Um, I I actually wonder. So at my school, I'm, I'm a high school teacher, but I, I run this program called Link Crew, and it's actually based out of California. I don't know if they had it at any of the schools that you've ever worked with, but it's a it's a mentor program where, like, I'll train about 100 juniors and seniors that will mentor the freshmen through their entire freshman year. So, like, for instance, like, if you and I were partners and you were a junior, I was a senior, like, we would have our own group of 10 freshmen through the whole, through their entire freshman year to mentor them, and, and we... So I'm just curious on this next thing, if you use any of, when you're working with kids, especially ones that come in fresh, new, you're trying to get their trust. Do you ever work with like, um, or you ever hear of something called like the group development model um, or it's, I, I think it's, I think the guy's name is like Bruce Tuckman, but it's, it's really like, like if you come in, if you have a group that you're trying to, um, you know, mentor or get, or gain their trust the way that we were kind of taught is like it really has to start with a low risk activity and, and, and really like build that little by little build that risk to where you finally get to the point where they open up and they trust you. We do it through activities like you ever want to run through activities. I'll, All I love, you know, I, I find that like that type of experiential learning is is really fun and, and, and opens kids up to um, to get closer. It, it's a good tool to get closer to that that higher level where they start to open up more. So I I don't know. Do you ever see, and maybe I don't care if you use the wording or whoever's model it is, but do you ever like, how do you see that when a new group of kids comes in? Do you feel that you got to be careful? Like you can't go in too hot. Like you gotta, you gotta sort of ease into things. Is that a thing that you notice or you'd never really even thought like that?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, especially when you're working with kids and you walk into a classroom in prison and there's 20 <laughs> kids, you know, and like you're new. You got to be ready for whatever comes your way. I can't imagine. So I, so I wrote So our, our curriculum for our flow program, um, I might have mentioned that on the on top the I was going to ask
0: you about it eventually. But yeah, that's a am- Tell us about that. That's our great. way in that's okay. our
1: way in, right? Like, like that's, that's an arts program, but it's designed to help break down those walls and those barriers. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's, it, you know, there's icebreakers that are built into that as well, but it's really about creating a sense of community really quickly amongst everyone. It's about everyone coming to see each other in each other, right? Yeah. As quickly as possible. You got rival gang members in the classroom and, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of heat already. Um, one great thing is that when we come in we we're, we're so well known in these places like oh, we got they get the flow program. everyone's really excited to see what it's all about for the first time so we we've kind of
0: yeah. you know
1: it's one of those things where you walk in and they're already like okay we're excited we've heard about this thing but at the same time you still get if you don't have our if our instructors aren't on and as a teacher you know exactly what I'm talking about if you're not if you're not on and you're not ready for what's about to come your way and you're not They don't they don't they feel that you're just there for a paycheck or you're there for, you know, just for, you know, for giggles. Right. Mm -hmm. You they will they will they will shut down immediately. So we have to find a way to connect with them quickly. Poetry is always the way that we start our classes. Right. So if if I got a new group, you know, I come in with some some poetry. One, they get to see right off the bat how vulnerable I am. I'm vulnerable. I'm, I'm writing poetry. And it's, and I'm going to, when I speak that poetry, I'm going to have a bit of emotion and, and, and it's going to feel, I'm going to feel into that poetry. It's not something I'm just wrote and I want to read it to you. I'm going to share with you a part of my life, but I'm going to put it in some sort of really creative, heartfelt, you know, rhythm, cadence, rhyme. And those kids that I work with, they really connect with that, right? A lot of kids love hip hop music. Yeah. And, you know, so right away when they hear rhythm and and, and rhyme, they're like, oh, OK, this guy's cool or, or she's cool. You know, it's like yeah. there's the automatic this thing of like, oh, they're cool. And it, and it has to have some things in there that they can relate to. So it's not me coming in and, you know, giving you my bio. It's more like I'm going to share with you a part of myself that um, that I put into an art form just for you for this moment of us together. And I'm going to invite you to do the same thing, you know, in a moment. And then likely someone else will write something during that first session. And then having that young person get up and share themselves in that way, it completely breaks open yeah. what the room what this is all about. And uh and you're you're gonna always have that one or two in the back of the room who just don't wanna give in for whatever. Eventually, and I've seen it happen time and time again, eventually everybody gets into the groove and it becomes fun and something comes out of it for everybody. So so it's I, I believe in it's me as an example first to do what I'm asking you to do and then share with you in a way that I'm asking you to share with us so we can break these walls down so we can get to work. That's usually how, um, I open up and, and, and get a room going.
0: Yeah. I, I was watching. Um, I, I would love to see that process like the whole way through because I just want to see it first of all. And also I'd, it'd be something I would consider doing with, with my students, uh, different population, but still, I think it would be, um, equally, maybe not as, I don't know what it would be. It would be fun, and I think they would get yeah. something out of it. Um, yeah, I
1: think I, I, you know my my the the curriculum I wrote is not just for that population. Yeah. Even though uh, I, it, it, they can really there's some things in there that are really hard that we talk about for them. You know, there's a I've got there's 13 chapters in the curriculum, and one of the chapters we get into fathers. You know, and, and I and I purposely put that a little later in the curriculum yeah. just because fathers are a tough subject for a lot of these kids, you know, and yeah. I need to, we need to, we, but we need to talk about it. We need to talk about dads here because most of them were raised by their mothers or their grandmothers, but by women. And the father piece is something that is silently missing from their lives. Um, and we get in there a little bit and, you know, we saw it back up at the end. We don't leave it open and, you know, yeah. but we saw it back up, but, uh, but yeah, you know, and so, those vulnerable pieces are, are important to them finding and it all connects back yeah. to the self discovery, right? Like we, these are the conversations to have to get them back to what are you, what is your purpose? What are you passionate about? What are, what are you aligned with? All this leads up to where they can be more freely open with themselves and with us about where, where, where can I help guide you that you already know somewhere inside you want to go?
0: The one kid I was watching, he goes, um, he's like, Harry came in and. He just laced me he laced me up. He like I was like a pair of shoes. He just laced me up. I needed to be tightened up. I was like, That's a great metaphor. I was like, That's what that's probably exactly what you did. I love yeah. that, man. I'm glad you put that up. I don't know where I saw it. I was looking at all kinds of stuff that you had. Harry. I like that kid. I like the smile and he was like he he was buying into it. You could tell, you know? That, that was cool. Um, so one I know we're we're running short on time here. There's there's just endless stuff to talk with you about, Harry. But um sorry, Dr. Grammar, But one thing I wanted to um, mention is this, could you explain to us what this, um, uh, you were a fellow for the Obama uh, Foundation. I I don't know exactly what that is. It sounds really cool. I did see you get a picture with Obama and Michelle Obama has a quote about you. That's pretty good stuff. So what's that all about, man? It,
1: yeah. So, uh, you know, doing this work, there's, there's things that happen, yeah. I guess you might want to say, and people begin to recognize How's your work should? and Get, get noticed, you know, out there in the world. Yeah. Uh, and it was 2017. And uh, I got an email from a friend of mine. Her name was Kat. And she was a photographer in one of the juvenile detention facilities. And yeah. she sends me this email. It was like one-liner. She says, dude, you should apply for this. And that was it. And, and I opened this link. And and I opened the link. And it was like this Obama fellowship. So I read the criteria. And I'm like, oh, I can I – can, I can I can I'm a fit for this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and so I applied, you know, not thinking that I was going to get chosen by this. I had never met the Obamas before this. Um, it was just kind of the throwing it out into the wind. And about three months later, I get a call from the Obama Foundation saying, hey, you're in consideration for to be an inaugural fellow of the foundation. Now, the foundation is what this is their post. Uh, presidency work. I mean, a lot of it's shaped around their presidential center, which is very different than a lot of presidential centers we've had in the past. Very interactive. It's placed in in the middle of a community in need, and it's going to provide, you know, everything from education to resources, but very interactive center. And also just to advise um, the foundation on, you know, some of the things that are going on and where we need support, whether it be within healthcare, uh, you know, uh, social justice, criminal justice, um, where we can, you know, get better with everything on, you know, and when it comes to, you know, our climate and things like that. So, um, so they, they called me and said, yeah, we're taking you through this process. Well, for the next six months, it was pretty intense. And I thought the CNN thing was intense. They, CNN, went really deep into my history and everything to, wow. to vet me for the CNN hero. Like it was yeah. a two and a half year vet. And they had gone back into my family history and talked to people in my childhood and went through all of my financial, you know, my yeah. bank account. I mean, they, my company's bank. I mean, they went through everything.
0: Just to make sure there was no like secret, like something that stuck out. Yeah. Or something
1: that's going to sneak out and be like, Oh, you got, you guys chose this guy as a hero. And look at, he's a big old fraud. Right. Like, so they, <laughs> they, they, they've got to, They've got, they've got to do their due yeah, diligence yeah, on sure. that. And so the Obama Foundation was, was worse. It was, it was even more scrutinizing than that, right? Wow. And they did it in six months. So imagine what took two and a half years now into six months. And I asked them, I stopped them at like, you know, somewhere within about four months in, I was like, what's going on? They're like, look, you're, you've applied for a fellowship with a former president. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like <laughs> let's be clear here. We've got to make sure that you are clean as a whistle you know yeah so um so um yeah and and in april of that year this was 2018 i'm sitting in my i'm sitting in a training training my staff and i get a text you know from someone of the foundation from the foundation saying um give me a call really quickly you know and i'm like what does this mean this is a this might be a bad and then and then i didn't respond to it so they started calling me and so i took the call and they said <laughs> They said, Harry, are you sitting? I said, yeah, I just left the training and go sit in my office to take this call. What's up? You know, and they said, well, Harry, you know, we have uh, selected you as, you know, one of the 20 uh, <laughs> inaugural Obama Foundation fellows. You know, there are 21,000 applicants out of 191 countries. And you're one, you're only one of the 10 in the U.S. that we that the president and Mrs. Obama personally selected to be a part of their next chapter in their, in their, in their careers, um and uh and it was it was it was pretty cool to get that call and so since then it's been you know i've spent a lot of time you know i've spent i I wouldn't say a lot i'm not there all the time but i've spent good time with both of them you know and uh and conversation and you know in circles and in forums um discussing you know some of the areas where we can do better you know in areas of, of of you know youth justice and social justice in that regard to to young people. Um, and they have listened, you know, and they've yeah. been very supportive. They've, they've, you know, they've been very supportive of, of our work and uh, amplifying what we're doing here on the ground in Los Angeles. So it's been, it's been great. Um, yeah. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, and so since then the Obama foundation has expanded, we were the first program that they launched in 2018. Since then they've, they've launched several programs. There's a Obama, um, scholars program, which they work with the University of Columbia, the University of Chicago, okay. uh, work with young kids who are already, you know, in schools, you know, making a difference and already thinking about how to cause change. And then there's also uh, there's the Obama leaders in Africa, there's Obama leaders in Europe, there's Obama leaders in Asia. There's over 800 people and programs that are advising on what the obama foundation might want to be paying attention to you know in years to come that's happening in the communities of places all over the world you know and that and i I think they've taken they've taken on a lot you know they're 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 talking they're they're having you know kind of a global conversation about um about what we can do as as a whole to uh to sort of you know get back on track in a lot of ways to uh paying attention to things that just kind of get swept under the rug sometimes
0: yeah well i feel like they're feel like they're lucky to have you on board because you're a very genuine guy and and it seems like you have um great intentions and it's just such a a perfect recipe for success i I i've just never heard of such an idea that that you've come up with um and it seems to be it seems like it's headed in the right direction man that's pretty cool um so i think like you know you're heading in the right direction but this all kind of started for you um you you kind of, like you said, you, you, you had a little trouble when you were young and a a lot of the kids that I deal with and and younger people really struggle to find, you know, when I ask them what their passion is, or maybe what do you want to do? And and they just don't know. But it seems like even for you, I would say for one, you found it. And if you haven't, you're fooling everyone, including the president. But um, what, what advice would you give to young people? Like, you know, how do you find it? How do you find your purpose, your mission, like what you're supposed to do? Is there anything that that you could help them with to sort of like guide them in the right direction?
1: Yeah, I, I, I would. Yeah, for young people, I think the first thing I would ask them to do is to find someone in your life that's already moving in that direction or moving in a direction that is healthy and positive and, and, and mentor up and stick with that person, ask questions, just, just be as close as you can. Cause that person will likely give you the advice in the right direction. You know, mm-hmm. don't go the other direction and find people, uh, and, um, in your life that are going in the wrong direction. Cause that's, you're going to end up in the wrong direction. Yeah. That's the first, that's the first thing. Um, patience, um, patience is huge. <laughs> life, life is, life is not, life is not a straight line. Life is a zigzag. Um, it, it, that's how it just works. And so some things can't come into play until it's time and you're going to want things to come into play. You're going to wish that things would come faster, but it, it, that's, that's not how a, a, a rose blossoms. It it takes its time and it, and it forms into this beautiful piece of natural art at the end. And so being patient with our mistakes, um, you know, um, hard times will come. It, yeah. It's inevitable. There will there will be hard times through life, and so um, really, it's hard to say. But really, really love your hard times. Like really know that somewhere down the line, it's gonna make sense. It, it <laughs> and, and 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 that and that is the biggest. This is one of the biggest lessons I've ever had is knowing that the dots will connect somewhere yeah. they may, you may not know it while you're going through it, it maybe hell while you're going through it you may hate the world but if you accept in that moment that this is happening and allow it to happen knowing that somewhere it's going to make sense and you're going to be further along because of it somehow some way that is why um this is happening that is that is gold in life um and 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 that, that that's pretty bold for me to say that but yeah it's it's uh it's it's one of the biggest lessons that I've ever had is just to keep keep the faith, you know, and going, um and and sit, and sit quietly, you know, and listen. Um, uh, we we all have our own personal wisdom. It's, it's in there. Yeah. Um, if we take time, like I'm I'm, I'm I meditate, so I'm, I meditate every day. I spend time every day in silence, meditating and listening. Um, for directions, or if I'm stuck with something, usually whatever I need to know percolates to the top. That's something I've learned over time. And it's been really helpful, you know, being able to trust myself in that way. But that's just, that's another way to sort of, you know, get yourself into a position to where um, (laughs) you, you, you trust and you know that some of the decisions you make are going to be bad. Sometimes some of the decisions you're going to make are going to be good sometimes, but all in all, how do you find yourself empowered? It's hard to say. How do you find yourself empowered by everything? Hmm. Like everything. Yeah. Like everything that happens in your life, how can it empower you in some way? And uh, and usually in meditation, you can you can find where and, and why something happened and be empowered by it, knowing that one day the dots will connect.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. I, meditation for me, I have tried. Um, like a lot of people say, It's just hard to it's hard to sit there in silence. And you mentioned your L3 earlier. Like when I try to sit in yoga class in the stance that everyone else is in, I'm like always leaning against a wall (laughs) or something. And um, it's just my mind just gets so distracted. And and it's like you have to fight through that, I guess. I guess you probably went through something like that, too, when you maybe you first started. It, It seems like it's hard to. To focus. Yeah,
1: well, but like I think, I think, I think a lot of times we get caught up in like the positions and the sitting and everything, and like that's that's not the purpose of meditation, you know? Because the purpose of meditation is to be undistracted, right? If you've yeah. got your you got an L three bothering you, you're distracted. That's gonna that's gonna be there for you. There's no way you can go to meditation. So quickly get out of that position and get <laughs> to something that's get to something that's you can you can you can not be distracted by whatever's happening. Even thoughts that run through your mind, you know, those are also distractions, oh, right? Yeah. How, can you, how can you be not distracted by those thoughts? Just be not distracted by the thoughts. Sometimes those thoughts are asking for you to listen. So sometimes just sit there and listen to those thoughts. Like just see, where's it going? Where's it taking me? Where are you going? Very few people actually listen to all that that's going on there and follow the trail all the way through where, to where it's going. Sometimes that's all we need, and once you get to where it needs to go, or once you see that's just conundrum and machinery that's just yeah. going off all the time, then you can say, "Oh, it's just machinery," and just like a a church bell in the distance, you you don't stop to listen to it, do you? No, you just keep on walking by. Uh,
0: I love that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's so, cool.
1: so 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 the, the getting to a distractionless place is actually where you want to be. Yeah. So then you know this other thing begins to like rise up that's uh that's a voice that wants to guide you on your journey yeah
0: well it's quite a journey that you've been on and um i want to thank you for taking some time uh to talk with me and the the people that listen to this podcast dr grammar um i feel honored to have had this you know this hour to chat i honestly i i am so excited to find out that you're motivated by so many of the things that i am also motivated by and inspired by some of those things as well um I, there's a lot i have to say but we're, we're short on time i wanted to end with a beautiful quote that michelle obama said about you and it, i believe this is true and that i yeah. it i think she said um that you're an impact maker everyone should be paying attention to i wrote yeah. that down because i would butcher that if i didn't write it down and i agree yeah. with that i mean after talking with you it's amazing um, what you're doing. Could you just tell the audience where they could check out your stuff and just a sure. few uh, socials or whatever you whatever you have.
1: So uh, Harry Grammar is my handle on on most uh, on Instagram. It's Grammar Harry. Had to go backwards on that one, but everywhere else it's at Harry Grammar. Um, with an E R. E-R. With an E R. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Harry Grammar. I, E-R. I found that out
0: on yeah. A <laughs> R is not is not you. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then uh new earth life, that's new earthlife.org. Uh the organization is not new earth life, it's just the ending of the actual address that we could, you know, actually purchase twenty years ago. So it's new earthlife.org is our website. Um and harrygrammer.com is also my personal website as well. So folks can check me out there too. Uh, if anyone wants to shoot me an email, it's Harry at new earthlife.org. Awesome. Or actually, and Grammar at new earth org. So there's two, yeah. two will lead you there.
0: That's cool. Um, I, I must say, Dr. Grammer, if you ever need or ever want to collaborate on any, um, large group, um, team building and stuff, I do. I love doing that. I do go out to California every now and then to do different things. So I love what you're doing and I'd love to be a part of it someday and just, you know, keep it in the back of your mind. If if anything ever comes up, because I love what you're doing, I'd love to be
1: part of it sometime. Yeah, we, we're know. redesigning. We're redesigning our our flow curriculum. So I might hit you up just to maybe try it out in your classroom. You, you know, I'll try and, it out, uh,
0: record it, show you, and then break it down, debrief it, whatever you want, man. I promise. So um, awesome. That's really cool. It's, it's been a great hour. Thank you, Dr. Grammer, Thank for you. talking with us and talking with me. And uh, have a great day in LA.
1: Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. I really didn't know, you know, what we're going to talk about either. And I'm, yeah. I'm glad we didn't because it, it flowed just nicely. I really appreciate, you know, your thoughts and, and your words and who you are as a person and uh, your love for nature. Uh, that's that's really got my heart. So yeah. um, thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to more conversations in the future. As do I.
0: Have a great okay. night or a great afternoon. We're three hours. Good afternoon.
1: Man,
0: yeah. I'm going to bed.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: All right, Dr. Grammar. Take care. If you have a great mentor or leader that you would like to be considered for the show, email us at theleadernextdoor10 at gmail.com. Also, check us out on Instagram at Leadernextdoor and our new YouTube channel at the Leader Next door. And as Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail.